Okay, so we are joined in conversation today by Dave Schultz. Uh, Dave is the Global Head of Solution Consulting at Tipalti. Um, Dave is somebody that I've had the, the pleasure to, to recruit for in the past, um, and he is uh, a, a top-notch hiring manager. Um, and I've always been really struck by how kind of fiercely proud and supportive he is of his team. Um, he's somebody who's really got a clear idea in terms of what, what he's looking for, from my experience. Um, and also I noted a very... Um, a percept very perceptive BS radar as well I picked up along the way. So thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tom. <laughs> Super. Um, so Dave, so you you started in pre-sales five years ago, but obviously you have a you have a career, uh, you had a career beforehand. Um, you know, having previously worked in industry, what have you found that you really kind of enjoyed and, and loved about about pre-sales? I think first and in, in, I guess. I've had a lot of different types of roles before I became a solutions consultant. So I think just having a rounded view of a company and organization. So I was in product, I was in implementation. And what I like about pre-sales is it allows me to use the skills and some of the knowledge that I had there in a different way. Yeah. Um, things I really enjoy. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of you know human interaction. And I like chatting with people and figuring things out um, without the downside of some of the things that aren't fun about, let's say implementation or product. Uh, actually implementing someone has never been a joy for me. Um, mm -hmm. And also uh, you know, building out a roadmap and writing user stories was never fun for me. So I get to use that kind of part of my brain, but in a way to help solve a problem uh, and, and help people uncover things maybe they didn't think were, were possible and looking things in a different way. So mm -hmm. I really enjoy that part of the process and just getting to chat with folks. Uh, and, and different folks, not always the same folks all the time. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Dave. And um, if we are thinking about your your hiring, how much hiring have you done, and how important is hiring for you? Yeah. So how much hiring? A, a lot. Um, so I've been at Tapalti for about five years. Been running the team for about four and a half of that. When I started, there were two of us. Um, as we sit now, there are twenty eight of us. Um, and so I went from two in Northern California to twenty eight across. Uh, across Northern America, North America, and now in, in Europe. So a lot of growth there, a lot of remote growth, obviously a lot of it happened during COVID. So not a lot of in-office stuff. Um, hiring is the most important thing I do. Uh, I think everything stems from that. Um, you hire the right people, and I think the rest takes care of itself. Um, if you hire the wrong people, the rest takes care of itself um, <laughs> in, in the other way. Uh, so I think I'm pretty... I'm pretty specific, uh, have a, a pretty good profile of what I'm looking for from a, from a, from a person perspective. And uh, we really, we stick to that. Um, I've taken on individual work to not hire the wrong person. Um, I'd rather run a cycle myself than hire someone that's going to upset the apple cart, so to speak. It makes perfect sense. And I believe it is so good that you have a clear picture of what you're looking for in an ideal candidate. And if you are thinking about your team, we uh, what are those traits that make the difference between a regular SE and uh, superstar? It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good question. And I think it's nuanced. Um, I'm just going to the 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 technical ability, the ability to understand the product and all that stuff, I'm using that as a given. Um, I, I think that's just table stakes for me. You have to have the aptitude to understand what we do. Um, so I I think uh, things that stand out for me first and foremost is empathy. Um, and I don't 
not just because you're a caring person that that's that's nice but it's also empathy means you you listen you understand you pause and and, and try to to get where the other person's coming from and i think for me the best scs listen to what their prospects need and their pains and then try to address that and have a conversation around that versus just explaining what we do um knowing knowing when to to push back knowing i think it's important knowing when to um, maybe disagree with a prospect in an appropriate way and a, and a different way of looking at things. A lot of folks get set in what they know. Um, and you know, part of buying a new solution or, or, or addressing a problem is you need to change what you know because that's not working. Uh, also, those that know how to take a take a step back. Um, I am a huge, huge proponent of work-life balance. I, I don't like, I don't want folks working late in the evenings and on weekends we make exceptions all the time. It's the nature of business. Um, but I think those that can separate and step away and can be efficient with their time during the day, I think are that's that's an extremely important thing for me because it, it leads to to long time success in the role. And, and you know, as as someone who just who cares about the business side, I think it makes a lot of sense that people are happy and healthy. But but caring for the people side as well, you don't want people that are unhappy and burnt out and 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 going to their weekends know bitter because of how much they had to work and things of that nature so finding that balance i think is really important yeah it's so easy to uh for everyone to fall into the trap of just being pushed into a little bit more a little bit more a little bit more um and you don't you don't bring your best self when when you're pushed a bit of pressure is good but when it becomes too much it's just yeah it's crazy I, i'd rather have 35 hours of a great sc than 50 hours of a decent sc yes um i just think and i I do my best to do the same. Um, I, I work a little bit more than others, but that's also kind of with the role. Um, but I still try to make sure that the team sees that there's a separation. Super. Good stuff. Um, and you talked about before, so you talked about pushing back and empathy. Um, I yep. suppose empathy is like a, it's a natural trait and it's also easier when you've been in, in, the, in the situation of somebody else. Yep. Um, and so I know, so, so to Palti sell into Office of Finance, so most of your stakeholders are finance professionals, um, to my understanding. Um, and, you know, we talked before about you coming from an industry background, and I know that you've had good success hiring people from the finance side. So like CPAs, you say in the US, um, uh, I've, I've forgotten the acronym in the UK, but, um, but finance professionals, and obviously they will have you know, that level of empathy having sat on the, on the customer's side. Um, is that the reason why you've done that? What, what's been your thinking behind uh, leaning on, on individuals that come from, from finance type roles? Well, I think if you know the industry, you know the role, you automatically build a bit of credibility just off the bat. Yeah. Uh, you say I'm a CPA and you're selling to a controller. I think there's a lot of, a lot of value there. Uh, we also, a part of our business, we sell to folks that are in product. I can resonate very well with those folks because I have a product background. Uh, so I don't, we definitely have about a little bit more than half the team, I think, are, are, are from the industry. Actually have a couple of former customers as well who have joined the team because they like the product so much and they wanted to get out of um, of the accounting or the finance world. Uh, but at all, if, if you can get to a point where who you're selling to or who you're speaking to uh, knows you understand their world, Mm -hmm. um it, it, it that's a huge that's a huge uh, a huge thing it's really valuable now it has to be authentic you can't come across as bs um so if you have that title you've worked at a 
you've worked as a, a manager of FPNA or you've been in, in one of the big four, people let their guard down a bit more because you're, excuse my language, you're not just going to be speaking of a bunch of bullshit and don't know what they do. Yeah. Um, you actually know what they do because you might have done it yourself. Yeah. Um, no, I don't want the entire team to be that because I do also believe that you can't have all of the same person and the same skill set in, 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 in a role. I think diversity of thought, different ways of looking at things is also extremely important. Uh, and so that's why we've definitely indexed a lot on the the, the, the finance side, but it's, it's by no means all we are. Yeah. I mean, I just hear it time and time again that, you know, customers, you, you're, it's a really kind of a peer level conversation. And also just the practical kind of understandings of the politics within an organization, how things get bought, what the what the incentives are, what the drivers are, it all adds up. Um, and, and from our experience, um, there are challenges to hiring people from industry in the sense that it's a different role. Um, for example, working within a sales cycle, working with account execs. Um, how have you, how do you, when you, when you're when you're looking at somebody from industry? Is there anything you pay particular attention to in terms of how well they will transition into a into a pre-sales pre-sales role? Uh, yes, and then also there's certain responsibility on on me, on on our end, and I'll, and I'll I'll start with that. I think part of it is the expect expectation setting you do up front in conversations and what the role is going to be. Right, um, if you just are the real role and what it is, and, and not just the the what's in the in the CD, right? Um, and that helps weed out folks that that would be interesting in and folks that it wouldn't be. Um, once again, I look for folks that can hold a conversation. Um, I look at more than anything else, their motive. Why? Like, well, I understand, you know, are you running away from finance? Because a lot of accountants do that. They don't love being a bean counter. And that's my, my father is a CPA, bean counter. So nothing against that. But um, not everyone wants that. And so are they running away or are they running towards? Yeah. And I, I think you can get in the interview cycle. You can understand the inquisitive nature. You can, the types of questions they ask, the, the conversation, the dynamic, the way they can you know, keep eye contact when they're chatting or whatever it may be. Small things really, really matter. You can get a little empathy just even during an interview. Uh, so I think that's really, really important. It's just the conversation side of it. The technical side of understanding finance, great. I almost take that as a given based upon my job. I'm a pretty comfortable that you can learn to talk about the software. I mean, we're not, this is this is much more of a business consulting role in my role than deep technology. So if I, if you can carry a conversation, you are a good communicator, you ask good questions. Um, most of my interviews, I, I answer more questions than I ask, uh, particularly yeah. at the point in the interview cycle. Um, I think that's all extremely important. And I, I have the responsibility of, of setting expectations to know what they know what the job is right and what it is you know there, there is you no know, as much as i enjoy the role there are some things that like you know aes sometimes are not but you know you have some aes that aren't your favorite right or or sales cycles i should say aes is the wrong term sales cycles are not your favorite because of the way they go and understanding there'll be those kinds of you know, things that pop up uh, and this will sound kind of silly um but it's it's something i actually hold i hold true and it's at the end of the day, would I sit down and have dinner with this person? Yeah, because I need to ensure that they're going to resonate with who they're speaking to. I think that's part of it as well. And, and that's a hard transition going from you know behind the scenes accounting role into a a very much customer focusing focused consulting role. 
Amazing. And I can, is this, maybe I'm generalizing and maybe this isn't a fair comment, but if you look at roles like finance, typically you'll get people that have got a very strong uh, attention to detail, detail, you know, the detail orientation is there. Um, and then it tends to be kind of a more introverted role in the sense that you're not spending so much time in conversation. And, you know, it's, and do you look for like extroverted people from the finance side? Are there any kind of commonalities there or am I off the mark? But definitely you're going to have the more extroverted, uh, yeah. uh, just the folks that are even wanting to go down this path. Um, you, you tend to have to be a little bit of an extrovert. True story. I'm not an extrovert. Um, I just play one on TV. Um, but uh, so it, it, it's being extrovert enough. We've also had the benefit of a lot of internal referrals. Yeah. So the first finance individual I hired referred somebody who then referred somebody. And so, they also get a good understanding of what the role is. Yeah. And as part of the interview cycle, um, they all chat with each other. I'm not a last interview, right? So I, I'm at the very, very end of the process. But you kind of just now, I, I, you, you, John, you, you, you said kindly that I have a good BS meter. Um, I can, I can suss out like how comfortable someone is and how I think they'll be in communicating with the prospect um, through the interview process. Yeah. And maybe extroversion was an unfair way of saying it. I think I mean more that they enjoy that customer interaction. Um, and then obviously when you get into a role like pre-sales, then suddenly you're in this super exciting role where you get to speak with a variety of different customers about different scenarios and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I, and I think there's that definitely customer interaction. But I, I think at least in my world that change, it's the, the using your brain in a different way. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's solving different problems. It, it's taking what you've learned and what you've done, but now applying it in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and I think that's been a lot of the motivations of, of the individuals that have joined the team from, from industry. It's they don't want to lose, you know, they went to school, right, for, for this. And, and so they don't want to lose all of that, yes. but how can I apply it in a different way? Yeah. Uh, and, you can, and, and some of the, the enthusiasm or you can almost see a light in their eye um, when you're going in an interview. It's subtle, but you can, you can almost see it. That's something that's, it's not tangible, but I can feel during the process that lets me know this person might be a good fit. Now, obviously we're going to talk to a bunch of other people during the interview process, um, but that's something that you can tell to your point with introvert or introvert, it, it's extrovert. It's a, it's a spark in the conversation about potentially taking the role that helps me, uh, feel more comfortable in, in, in having someone join, having someone join. Thank you so much, David. It seems like that extroversion, introversion thing, it's super related to empathy uh, and the listening skills. Uh, so uh, it seems like you have a gut feeling uh, to, to catch the right vibe, if that makes sense. Do you have any specific questions that could help other hiring managers to assess empathy, for example, or to somehow uh, get the, that uh, sparkle in their eyes? It's, it, it, I always ask why the career change. I know it sounds very, it's generic, but why do you want to make this career change and truly understanding? Um, it goes back to, are they running away or are they running toward? Uh, but my, my process is, at this point, I'm not, they go through the standard, you know, yeah, they have to demo to folks and all that kind of stuff. But when, when it gets to me, I'm really more about motive and culture fit at this point. And so I let, I spend two thirds of the time answering questions. And, and that to me, in the types of questions that get asked, 
help me understand the motivation of what's important to them, right? Um, if they're asking about the the role and what the day-to-day is going to be like, they're asking about the team, how I work with others, all that kind of stuff, that helps me understand they're truly interested and this is what they want. If they're asking basic uh, compensation type questions or what's this, you know, what's the benefits package and things of that nature, um, that that tells me, no, that's not, that's not a good fit, but it's, it's the quality of the questions they ask. And then as a solutions consultant does, I always have follow-up questions to their questions and it's their responses to those. That's an interesting question. Why do you ask or whatever it may be? It's the answer to those and how they can think on their feet that mm-hmm. helped me also feel like one, I understand their motivation and two, they are you know able to think quickly and, and respond with a, with a, with a quality answer. I mean, and that way we get away from the canned interview responses, which is something I truly try to avoid is at, at, is asking standard interview questions other than the, well, why do you want to make this career transition? Because I think anyone would ask that. that that's important to me. Thank you, Dave. And I believe this would be super helpful for, for our viewers as well. Um, and if you could go back and talk to yourself when you first started uh, assessing candidates, what advice would you give yourself? Uh, it's trust your instinct. Um, there are times that, um, I, I've been actually very fortunate in that the retention rate and that folks in, in this team, it's really, really high as we've grown. And that's, I'm, I'm really happy about that. But there are times that my gut told me we maybe shouldn't move forward and, and we did. Um, uh, and you know, that ends up not being a wonderful thing. And there are times where I said, I, I, I wasn't sure. And so I had one more conversation and I, I got that level of, okay, let's, let's, let's move forward and, and it's worked. Um, so it's trusting my instinct, but also early on when we weren't a big team, I didn't have a lot of SCs that could be part of the interview process, trusting colleagues and finding a couple of colleagues, whether it's you know, uh, sales managers or, or, or my colleagues, and counterparts on the sales side or even in product, finding a handful of people that I just intrinsically trust and that I they'll they'll tell me like it is. Um and I I know their opinions are 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 meaningful to me. That's helped me suss canvas in or out. And then as we grew, it's it's it becomes a lot for me, it becomes a lot easier because now I have a bunch of folks on the team that know our team, know our culture, know the role, came from industry, um, have different lengths of career, different backgrounds. And that's much, now I can trust their their instincts. And I think that combination from early on to now is is a big difference. For me, if someone gets to me at this point, I feel very comfortable they can do the job. It's now it's will they, and do it well, because we're a pretty tough crowd, uh, but it's, Will they will they be additive to the team? It's not just will they fit in the team, will they be additive to the team? And so it's that that last thing is finding people that will, that will add incremental value and not just another another person who can do the job. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dave. And the last question from, from my side. Um, as a global director, how do you go about coaching and training your managers to hire? Um that's it's it's difficult. Because once you once you're global, you know, culture's are different. 
uh, environments are different and, and you have to be sensitive to that, that when I'm hiring in. And so you know, I was fortunate enough to work with, with John and, and my first hires in, in, in Europe. And one of the things that just in, in, in doing that hiring process was um, letting the first manager I hired know that empowering them to know what's right for their market. I know what's right for I know it's right for the company, and there are certain things that are non-starters. You know, you know, we have a no asshole policy, um, but uh, uh, but but we do know that different geographies and different markets are different, and and that's important. Uh, I think once again, it's everything that I that I went through. My kind of my last my my last response is find people you trust, um, find find people whose opinion matter to you, and you can you know that if, if they're feeling positive. Or they're on the fence or negative that should color and give guidance to your decision it shouldn't be the final decision at the end of the day it's your decision whether or not you want to hire someone or not um and then it's empowering them to do it and, and you know we've uh we've had good success doing that um as as well um and and i think if you set up the interview model properly that the the the, the candidate gets to have enough conversations to know about Tripoli. We have enough different conversations to get to know about the candidate that just that process, that process intrinsically makes it easier on the hiring manager to trust the collective gut uh, uh, of everyone. Um, and, and I think that also matters, you know, don't be, af don't be afraid Like you, you know, the way we built this, you may make a mistake, odds are against it. We've done really well, but if you do, it's okay. Like we, it's harder to unravel, but we'll be fine. Um, and I, I don't want people to live in fear of hiring. I think hiring is a positive thing. Um, and, and I think just empowering folks to, to, to do that and build their own network of trust within the company is, is important. And um, trust, the, you know, if you build trust with the recruiting team, whether an in-house team that we have, as well as potential you know, external recruiters, trusting those folks that the candidates you get are already vetted to a point where, um, you're not dealing with you know, folks that would never make sense at the company. I think that that makes it easier as well. Amazing. Sounds really, um, I, 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 I think you said uh, communal gut, gut feel or something that I've written down, uh, crowdsourced intuition, but it makes, it sounds like a very collaborative experience and you kind of develop trust with people over time and you bounce off each other and that kind of helps make the decision-making process that bit more robust. Yeah. Um, you have to. Um, I don't. You know, it's not a dictatorship. Um, uh, at the end of the, really, at the end of the day, I'm not the one who's in the day to day trenches with everyone anymore. Unfortunately, like I'm a little bit away. So, for for me to be the arbiter of everything doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, you, you 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 trust people and empower them. And, you know, if they they've seen who's here, they see the type of individual that is successful here. Um, and how they collaborate and how they and, and then how they've individually collaborated. And then it's kind of a this kind of ball of momentum that just keeps on moving forward. Um, and that's kind of what we built. Yeah, it kind of becomes uh, cultural in the sense that you can see that person fits in. And you've gone. So you said you've gone from two to 28, lots of growth. I'm sure there's lots of growth projected. You've got managers now doing the recruiting. You've got an international team. Um, and, it, you know, it sounds to me like you're all building this trust together and building an idea, like a way of working together. Um, and, and you mentioned things like a no arsehole policy. So what are the, are there any, when you go out to hire as a hiring team, 
Um, do you set any kind of must-haves in terms of values or culture? Do you define kind of what you're what you're looking for, or is it more everybody speaks with the individual and then you kind of come together afterwards to see see what you all think? Like, like how much structure do you think is important as you get bigger? I always think structure is important. I, I think you have to balance structure with the experience um, of, of a candidate and of the role and the speed in which you might need to hire, right? I think structure helps when you have to hire quickly, I think. Um, there are, I mean, I mean, we have a standard process. Hiring manager talks to someone first, they talk to a couple peers, um, they do a demo, and then I might be the last person. So we, we clearly need to see the technical ability um, because, and unfortunately we do lose a fair number of really nice, wonderful people when you get to the demo part, because it's just not a fit and, yeah. and, and that's okay. But, but I think collaboration, a, a, a we first policy, not a me first policy. If you, if you can't, you know, they teach you in the sandbox when you're growing up, if you can't play nicely with others, right? I think that's really important in this role. You are going to be collaborating everywhere. You know, we are, it's not just sales, it's implementation, it's product. We do a lot of webinars for marketing. It's, it's across the organization. And, and so seeing people that enjoy and gravitate towards working with others. Um, a lot of times people from industry, they do a lot of, you know, kind of silo work um, or not as broad a, a spectrum of, of interactions. And so I think it, it, it's that. Um, that doesn't mean someone who's never done um, cross-collaborative work can't be successful. But you just, I'm going to sound very Californian here, but it's just a vibe to get off of people. <laughs> I, I am in California, so I'm a, I'm going to day. But there, there's just something that's yeah. it's just intangible that you can just tell. Um, yeah. or at least we've been able to just tell yeah. um, collectively. But the process is the same. Yeah. It's, I tried, the, I'll just say the last thing, I know it's a very long-winded response, but <laughs> one of the things we try to balance is getting enough information so that's a, 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 a rigorous enough interview process uh, for without being overbearing. And I know yeah. John, you've actually been through some of this interview process with us, but yeah. not just for Topalti. Yes, we need to learn about this individual, but throughout the entire process, we try to let the, the, the candidate know they're learning about us. They're interviewing us just as much as they're interviewing them. And yeah. so the way we've established the process is they get enough contact with different people yeah. uh, some request another conversation so that they feel comfortable. And it's, uh, it's you're proposing after three dates. Yeah. If you think about it, it's, it's yeah, yeah. a long-term relationship. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So the more friends and family you can talk to in those three dates, the better <laughs> you get a better understanding of, of, of the situation from a candidate perspective. And it goes back to empathy because the candidate yeah. sees that we're concerned about they feel comfortable that they know what they're getting into as yeah. part of the process. And, and I think the cultural start, the, the building of that culture starts there. Yeah. And when you have that kind of collective authenticity in the sense of they get that, that vibe from everybody, then I think that that becomes attractive to that kind of individual and that kind of individual then becomes more likely to join the organization and it kind of builds from there. And that's where you get kind of culture, I suppose. But it's only successful if it's authentic. Right, um, like if it's just an interview process, and then you get into the into the, the real the real job, and it's not that you're you're in for a world of hurt. Um, yeah, both sides are. 
Right, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. It's more impactful to the company, I think. Uh, yeah. Importantly, but um, one of the things that I'm very proud of is, you know, we do these, you know, culture surveys, right? We culture ant every six months, and you know, at the 28 people, I say one of the questions are, are you going to be, uh, do you see yourself as an employee two years from now? And every single person said yes. Yeah. So yeah. that tells you that we are practicing what we preach. The job is what we tell them it's going to be, and they're there are, if not better, and they're not surprised. And I think that's, it's, it's the experience during the interview needs to match the actual experience when they get the job. Yeah. And then well, it an atmosphere perspective, right? It's a little different because you're doing the job, but it's a, uh, that culture has to stay the same. Yeah. yeah. And then it becomes like a virtuous cycle. And mm-hmm. um, one quick final question I'd like to ask, and it goes back to before. So you, cause I'm, I'm really keen to pick up on, on significant differences here. So 50% from industry is a lot. And it's yep. a lot and lots of companies really aspire to that. So I work for a, a big tier one vendor that at one point said they wanted 50% of all of their hires, including sales, uh, to come from, from industry because they really saw the value there. Um, uh, so if you and, and you talked about former customers as well. So what's the, the secret sauce in terms of and you, I think you mentioned referrals in terms of getting that good pipeline of people coming from industry. And also, you know, how do you go about bringing people in from customers? Has there been, has that just been serendipity or has there been a... Um, so, yes, yeah. I'll start with customers. I, I never outreach to customers or they, it's been inbound, right? Um, they use the product um, and they like the product. I think for me, you know, it, it's, when they when they can see it solves an actual problem in the industry that there's a need mm. uh, and then you look at our 99 retention rate of our customers so it's not just that we have customers it's that they stay with us yeah. um they've used the product they know it works and they and because they have you know had to close the books to use financing to finance but they had to close the books they understand what it's like getting invoice bills they they see and and, and they know the actual pain that exists it, it's it draws them to one to a solution that can solve that problem, right? If you're interested in making a career change, and you see a tool and a solution that works and solves a problem you've experienced, that's extremely powerful. It, mm. You know, you're you know, look, we're not curing cancer here, so we're, but we're improving the lives of finance folks. Uh, no one, no one goes to college to get a finance degree to key an invoice into an ERP. Like that's mm. not why they got their degree. And, and nor did nor did the folks that we we brought on board. So that that's a that's a big powerful moment for them. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, once you have a friend who's done it, or a former colleague that's done it, and they're happy and they can tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, and they're very happy, that makes it a lot easier. And, and you mm-hmm. know, I'm all for referrals. Now, I don't want to go all the way everyone um, CPA because I, I think there's some some benefit to having. Um, as myself, I'm not a CPA. I've worked in industry, but I'm not a CPA. Uh, having having folks with once again different thoughts, different experiences as part of the process as well. Amazing. Super. Thank you so much, Dave, <laughs> for, for everything. Um, I, I'm not very sure if you have any questions for us or for our research. Um, no, I think it's 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 important research. Like I said at the beginning. Um, the culture fit to me is the most important thing. Um, and 
I, I've uh, done a lot of my career, and the, the thing I'm the proudest is this team and what we've done. In, in, oh, so nice. And, and, and to be real, I, I, this uh, it's not because of me. It's if you get the right people in, it's it's everyone. Yeah. Um, and, and, and if people truly believe that, because it is the truth here, I'm I'm a bit now I'm a bit of this much of of the success of the growth and all that kind of stuff. I just make sure we steer one way or the other. Um, so I think this is extremely valuable, you know, you know, you know research and stuff you're doing here because um, uh, we do our. I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave this last thing. Our last uh, sales kickoff. Um, you know, each of the leaders gets to say something. And this is something that I, I said, and I, and I firmly, firmly believe. I, I believe that a company with uh, good people and great product will always be less successful than a company with great people and good product. Yeah. I think it's the people at the end of the day that move the engine. Um, yeah. I don't care how good your product is. If your people are okay, you're going to have a harder time. If you have great people, that's going to help propel you further. And that's kind of the the outlook that I, I look at when we're going through and then folks on to the, uh, the, the solutions consulting team here at the public. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for your time and for this insight. <laughs> this My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for wanting to chat with me. Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. Um, I've learned lots in this conversation and um, yeah, just really, really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Cheers. My pleasure.